a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Michelle Vandenberg. Coming up on the program. China's foreign trade continues to maintain upward trajectory with steady growth in exports and imports, according to the General Administration of Customs. Chinese tax authorities rolled out measures to boost high-quality international cooperation. And in today's episode of Rails of Progress, our reporter explores CRRC, the world's largest supplier of rail transit equipment. China's foreign trade has been maintaining a steady upward trajectory, officials from the General Administration of Customs said during a press conference in Beijing on Friday. According to customs data, in the first three quarters of this year, China's total imports and exports amounted 30.8 trillion yuan, or 4.2 trillion U.S. dollars, reflecting a slight 0.2 percent year-on-year decrease. Exports saw a 0.6 percent increase, reaching 17.6 trillion Yuan, while imports declined by 1.2 percent to 13 trillion yuan compared to the same period last year. Officials highlighted that China's foreign trading goods has operated smoothly and positively over the first three quarters, despite a complex and challenging external environment. Import and export activities have shown steady growth quarter by quarter, with September achieving a new monthly high for the year. Notably, private enterprises have experienced rapid growth. In their imports and exports. Now, for more discussions on China's foreign trade, we're joined by Shi Jiao, an assistant professor at the Peking University and also HSBC Business School. So, Professor Shi, thank you so much for joining us. So, interpreting the most recent trade figures, we saw a rise in exports and a slight dip in imports. So, how shall we analyze these numbers? Well,、uh, if we look at the first three quarters of 2023. Uh, overall,、um, we have witnessed a mild growth in export and a decline in import. To interpret these numbers, I think it is useful to use、uh, the world trade as a whole as a benchmark. So, world trade has been,、uh, we should say, underwhelming this year. It has been so since late 2022. The WTO has a dire forecast for global trade growth of a nearly 0.8 percent this year, which is a revision that was、uh, less than half of its. Previous forecast. So part of the reason for such subdued growth in trade for China is that the overall world trade was unimpressive this year. And of course, internally, China is experiencing structural adjustments, which inevitably is going to further suppress domestic demand,、uh, including demand for imports. Now let's look at the bigger picture. Given the international economic climate and trade dynamics, what are your expectations and prospects for future trade? Well, so if we look at The global environment. I think、uh, the consensus is that the Fed's policy rate at this point is still high,、uh, but it might be, you know, near the end of this interest rate hike span. And the global economy currently is in a contractionary cycle.、Um, the good news,、uh, however, is that、uh, we see that developed economies、uh, overseas have not fallen into recession, and the holiday season is coming. So、uh, the fourth quarter、uh, that should boost demand for. Products everywhere.、Uh, the WTO also has predicted 
higher growth in world output and also trade uh, next year. Therefore, I believe that trade may have hit the bottom and will rebound in the fourth quarter and into the next year, both for China and for the world as a whole. All right. Thank you so much for your insights. Please stay with us for more discussions later in the program. Five years have passed since China unveiled its plan to transform Hainan province into a free trade port. Yangpu, a pioneer demonstration zone of Hainan, has attracted a number of investors with the FTP's policies, including a 30% duty-free exemption for value-added processing. Lin Wu reports. At the end of August this year, Shangdao Hainan Supply Chain Management Company successfully cleared customs at Yangpu Port for its processed and value-added Spanish ham products. These products were eligible for a 25% import tariff exemption after undergoing over 30% value-added processing thanks to Hainan's favorable policies. As a result, the cost of these products is 7% to 8% lower than the import costs in the Chinese mainland. The exception of tariffs for imported goods after value-added processing is very beneficial. It allows us to pass on a portion of the profits to consumers giving us a competitive advantage in capturing a larger market share. On September 14th, a shipment of 700 kilograms of processed beef for use in hot pots, produced by Hainan Yangpu Shunying Food Camp Limited, together with Tianjiao and Luqiao groups, was transported to Shanghai and other locations from Haikou. This batch of beef also benefited from the tariff-free policy. We will import more beef products from Brazil and Argentina in large quantities, then process them here to enjoy the 12% tariff. Nine companies have already benefited from preferential policies in Yangpu, and more companies are expected to enjoy these benefits in Hainan in the future. This policy is available to enterprises engaged in food processing, new material manufacturing, jewelry and other encouraged industries. We have collaborated with customs and other departments to guide and serve enterprises in using this policy. Since this policy was implemented in Yangpu in July 2021, as of June 30th this year, Goods worth over 460 million U.S. dollars were exempted with approximately 42 million U.S. dollars in taxes. Lin Wu, Sansha Satellite TV in Hainan for CGTN. China's consumer inflation remained stable in September, while the factory gate producer price index saw a slight decline. The consumer price index, or CPI, showed no change last month, primarily due to a high base effect from the previous year. This data was partly affected by food prices, which carry substantial weight in the index. Notably, the price of pork, a significant contributor to the basket, witnessed a 22% decrease last month. Prices in services, education, entertainment, and healthcare sectors all recorded the modest increase. The core CPI, which excludes volatile food and energy costs, registered a year-on-year -year increase of 0.8%. Meanwhile, producer prices declined at a slower rate, with September's PPI dropping by 2.5% compared to the previous year, marking a narrower decline compared to the previous month. And in the news just in, officials from the People's Bank of China, the central bank said on Friday that the Chinese economy saw a healthy growth in credit loans during the third quarter of the year. By end of September, the broad measure of money supply, or M2, grew by 10.3%, while new yuan loans rose to over 19.7 trillion yuan in the first nine months, up 1.5 trillion yuan from a year ago. 
the ample liquidity provided by the finance sector has effectively served the real economy, according to the central bank. Now, for more discussions on the latest economic data, let's bring back our guest, uh, Shi Jiao, system professor at the Peking University HSBC Business School. So, Professor Shi, what insights can you share about the latest CPI and PPI data and also their implications? Uh, well, as you just reported, uh, CPI in September is flat on a year-on-year -year basis, uh, whereas PPI, on the other hand, kind of declined. Uh, the CPI is average over two diverging trends, um, you know, the food price and other prices other than food uh, tends to go, they went different ways. Okay, So the prices of pork and fresh veggie has declined substantially compared to the same time last year, which exerted a downward pressure on the CPI. But if we look at the sectors excluding uh, food, uh, prices have increased compared to the same time last year, whereas PPI uh, has continued to decline, although at a slower rate. So the PPI inflation has been a very sensitive measure of the kind of economic uh, kind of demand, uh, you know, in China over the past years. So the PPI inflation has been negative since late last year. If we examine data across industries, uh, we find that prices of most upper stream raw material products have dropped. So this may signal that the lower stream demand is still insufficient and firms are reluctant to ramp up production. On the brighter side, uh, we see that the rate at which PPI decline, declines is slowing. Therefore, uh, prices may pick up with economic recovery. Now, let's talk about China's consumption market, which is very important for China's economic growth. Um, what do you think are primarily fueling consumer growth in China? And also, um, could you talk a little bit uh, on the recent policy initiatives designed to bolster consumption, especially in areas such as tourism, sports, and elderly care? Right. So uh, catering services, restaurants, uh, etc., have continued to recover and grow this year. Tourism and sports, uh, as well as other live events, uh, have grouped this summer. Partly it is a rebound uh, from the COVID era, and partly it reflects a long-term trend, I think, uh, towards more diversified and better entertainment products. Uh, the government has actively promoted the revival by implementing policies that facilitate the growth of the industry. Another industry you mentioned, I think, is uh, elderly care, which is a very interesting and it's a big thing for China you know, in the near future, because with an aging population, the Chinese government has made comprehensive plans to promote the growth of the so-called silver economy. For example, uh, long-term care was traditionally a burden on the younger generation of the family. Uh, caring offered by the market used to be thin and insufficient. I think lessen the entry restrictions and uh, you know, develop private-public partnership can prove crucial to the development of a more you know, matured and better elder care market. Very interesting. Thank you so much for your insights. Really appreciate your time. Shizhou, assistant professor at the Peking University HSBC Business School for us. China's small and medium-sized enterprise development index rebounded in the third quarter as policy measures start to take effect. According to data released by the China Association of SMEs on Monday, the SME development index rose to 89.2, close to a two-year high. The sub-index reflecting business confidence rose the most, indicating that private enterprises' development confidence has strengthened. The index also showed that the willingness of SMEs to invest 
interest has increased and market expectations have gradually recovered. Meanwhile, the proportion of companies operating at full capacity also rose. Now, gutter oil is being repurposed as fuel for airplanes and cars, not only providing a more efficient use, but also promoting green and low-carbon development. Our Aaron Liu has more from Hangzhou. A Zhejiang Long Air flight departed from Hangzhou and completed a smooth journey to Beijing. The biocode used in this plant is derived from recycled cooking oil, animal and plant fats, and various other materials. I'm experiencing a green flight for the first time, and it feels just as smooth as any other. From the various parameters of aircraft flight, domestically produced sustainable aviation fuel is indistinguishable from traditional fuel, and it's even more environmentally friendly. Officials like Wang Jian, president of operations at Long Air, emphasize that airlines must align their future development plans with green and sustainable principles. By utilizing gutter oil collected from city with a population of millions, we can cut down on annual CO2 emissions by approximately 80,000 tons. This reduction is comparable to taking nearly 50,000 cars off the road for a year. Hence, bio-coal is rightly acknowledged as an environmentally friendly fuel. Presently, aircraft manufacturers are promoting the adoption of bio-coal for aircraft delivery. Since 2018, the company has also been using the Leap 1A engines, which have outstanding emission reduction performance. We have acquired Leap engines capable of cutting fuel consumption by approximately 400 kilograms per hour per aircraft. This translates to an annual saving of around 1,296 tons of fuel and a yearly reduction of about 4,000 tons of carbon dioxide emissions per aircraft. One points out that sustainable aviation fuel currently carries a price tag three times higher per ton than traditional fuel, lacking cost advantage. However, the question arises, what if sustainable biocode achieves the widespread commercialization? To substantially lower costs, sustainable aviation fuel must become an integral part of our conventional petrochemical industry. International research institutions forecast that by 2050, global commercial utilization of sustainable aviation fuel can potentially reach 50%. Chinese tax authorities are rolling out continuous measures to boost high-quality international cooperation in the digital era to commemorate a decade of the Belt and Road Initiative. A reporter brings you the details from the State Tax Administration's press conference in this regard. The Chinese State Taxation Administration unveiled their latest service brand, Tax Express, in Beijing on Friday. Designed to enhance support for Belt and Road cooperation, this new brand places emphasis on delivering top-notch inbound and outbound services. The first element denotes a unified service matrix compromising the Tax Express service brand and the distinctive international tax service platforms of local tax authorities. The second aspect signifies a dual-tier service team, encompassing the fundamental service team from local tax authorities and export team from from the state administration of taxation. The third factor encompasses three core service mechanisms, a cross-border taxpayer communication mechanism, a tax policy service mechanism, and a tax claim resolution mechanism. The last component stands for the four knowledge products dedicated to supporting cross-border investors. 
These include investment tax guidelines for countries and regions, going global tax guidelines, a services tax case library, and FNQs tailored for cross-border taxpayers. The Tax Express Service brand can be condensed into three core components: Information Express, Policy Express, and Service Express. Shen Xingguo, Director General of Taxpayer Service Department of the State Taxation Administration, further elaborated that to ensure the effective delivery of these services, tax authorities will broaden multi-channel standardized communication channels for enhanced interaction. We also pay close attention to catering the distinct tax-related requirements at various stages of the process, covering the entire cycle. Additionally, an international specialized expert team will be established to offer more professional services, and there will be ongoing innovation in the development of specialized cross-border service products to provide a broader range of services. Over the past 10 years of nurturing the Belt and Road Initiative, Chinese tax authorities have woven an extensive tax treaty network that spans 112 countries and regions globally. This network serves as a robust legal safeguard against international double taxation and the resolution of cross-border tax disputes. Hou Jing, CGTN, Beijing. The third Belt and Road Forum is scheduled for next Tuesday and Wednesday in Beijing, gathering foreign leaders and high-ranking officials from international organizations to evaluate the initiative's achievements. Many partners of the Belt and Road Initiative eagerly await this forum, as it offers a chance to commemorate the initiative's contributions to enhancing global cultural exchanges. It seems to us to be a very relevant initiative, and it is precisely an initiative that has always had the support and participation of Chile at the highest level. All of Chile's recent presidents, President Piñera, President Bachelet, President Frey, of course, and also President Boric, have been. Or will be present at the Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation. Chile really participates in this initiative with great pleasure, and it is one more sign of the excellent state of relations between the two countries. I think the Belt and Road Initiative is an important project which helps to bring the world together to become a community with a shared future. Our people in Laos can benefit from the cooperation with China. It has been beneficial to the university in terms of capacity building, and they gave us the joint lab, which has enough space. And so far, in the last ten years, we have been able to train about twelve students for masters and PhD. So that's a serious contribution towards. The human capital at the University of CGTN has partnered with the China Railway Rolling Stock Corporation to present Rails of Progress in an in-depth media report series. This series delves into the transportation infrastructure projects within Belt and Road Initiative countries, highlighting the role of high-quality Chinese locomotives, equipment, and support services in bolstering local economic development. In today's episode, our reporter Zheng Yibing explores CRRC, recognized as the world's largest supplier of rail transit equipment. Additionally, this Chinese company manufactures vehicles for both urban and mainline railway systems in Argentina. Buenos Aires, the capital of Argentina, boasts the well-established metro and urban railway system. It connects all corners of the city and offers convenience to local residents with advanced metro cars and facilities. Our journey starts here, the city center. 
It is the square of May in the center of Buenos Aires. It is also the center of the metro system that links to the different parts of the city. And so metro cars running here are from China. I accompanied CRRC's Yang Lihang to a line where Chinese-built metro cars have been running for about a decade. Right now we are facing the Bolivar uh, station line E. Subte Buenos Aires is the name of the system, metro system, Peru. And the final station is San Pedrito. Please, after you. We have provided 30, 30 trains of metros to the line A of the Buenos Aires city. And the train, we have signed a contract in the year 2009, and all the train has entered in operation from 2013. So far, it has been 10 years in operation, and the performance is very stable. It's a brand new experience. The metro station has distinctive Latin American features, both packing on traditions and embracing the future. And metro cars are familiar with what we see in China. They have every convenience for passengers who commute daily. And now you can see the interior of the train. It's very illuminated with LED, and you have the, the dynamic map to show you, you know, all the stations, right? It's, Pretty much like we're using. Yang says he's proud these metro cars have been serving the city's residents for some 10 years. And he led me to one of the city's biggest railway stations with a very long history. This is a station is called Retiro in Spanish. It's the central train station of the city of Buenos Aires. Yeah, as you can see, it's very antique and historical. Indeed, it was built in 1915. Here we are at the line of Mitri, Mitri line. Uh, for this line, uh, CRC has provided more than 700 cars. We call it EMU. More than 700 cars. Cars in yeah, this line. In, only in this line, yes. and it's starting with 2013. Mm. It's more than 10 years. People can take urban trains from here to other parts of the city for work and travel and we find many passenger-friendly designs. The new cars, they are improving the accessibility and the, and the re relationship with passengers who ride bikes and not the casual rider who sits and keeps quiet. And I think it, it is very nice. If you want to go to ride your bike uh, nearby the river, yes. uh, people want to, to take with us, with them, the, the bicycle, so... Um, Yes. This is pretty convenient. The 700 trains on the line link people to various places. We are over here, we have this place that is called the horse racing places. Here also we have some football clubs that we have the stadium from River Plate that is very famous. And we also have the many, many museums from an ex-president from us, it's called Sarmiento President. And we also have many different places around here like like they are cultural places and also, of course, our religion. I'm very happy to work with Chinese companies because uh, all our team is very dedicated and they are always working really hard to make this train to operate very safely. Argentina is extending its railway network to remote areas with the aim of balancing infrastructure construction and environmental protection. This is Jujuy province in the most northwestern part of Argentina. A 42-kilometer-long railway line is being constructed here. 
and trains from China with lithium battery will be running along this line by the end of this year. In Argentina, the period from November to February is a peak tourist season. And in Jujuy, there is a world heritage, Humaraca scenic area, which is famous for its local culture and beautiful scenery. On this line, passengers will be able to travel at a speed of up to 70 kilometers per hour to get to tourist attractions in an environmentally friendly way. We met project leader Pablo Civera. The idea of using pure battery powertrains was put forward by our governor at the very beginning, but some European companies we contacted at that time said they could not do that. The only company that accepted our idea and brought a plan for us is CRRC. They participated and pushed forward the project and made us surprised. They also made hard efforts to deliver a type of train that's really advanced in the world. The light rail project was signed in May 2022. And in October the same year, the train's design was completed and the manufacturing began. Its appearance and color can blend with the local geographical features. And for the first time, the trains will be powered by lithium-ion phosphate batteries, which are known for their long lifespan and safety. Hui provinces rich in lithium and Chinese companies have helped construction of the solar power station in the region. So in this way, the railway line and new energy trains are a symbol of the green and low-carbon driven strategy for economic development. What CRRC does goes far beyond our expectation. The trains for this project are really important for us. My team and I also went several times to China for their manufacturing. And the trains after assembly are impressive. What CRRC did for this is far more than what they promised and what we expect. The first new energy trains were shipped from China in September this year. Testing will begin once they arrive in Huhui. We just bought two trains, but we are going to buy at least five more because when this is just the first step of the whole project. We are just in the beginning. We have to make this train works that we hope that we have working on at the end of this year. And we have to keep going. We have to keep going to Bolivia. This line takes us to Bolivia. Yes. And to the other line, uh, to the other side of the line, it goes to Buenos Aires. The local developers say they believe this project will enhance quality of life in the region. They say they value their friendship with Chinese companies like CRC in sharing knowledge, technologies, and aspiration for a better life. If I may say, sir, we have also built friendship through this project for Huhui province, for Argentina and for China. At the same time, we are also looking to the future and pushing forward new projects, which I think CRRC will be very interested in, and I believe there will be more opportunities for cooperation between CRRC and Huhui province in the future. On my journey across Argentina, there are certain to be more stories of cooperation as well as the impact it's having on local communities, from the cities and towns to remote areas. Zheng Yibing, CDTN in Argentina. And that will do it for this edition of Global Business here on CGTN. On behalf of our entire team, thanks for watching. Stay with us.